Please remain standing as you are able. And let's follow after the example of Jesus, who would have daily, um, two to three times, recited uh, what he came to teach us as the great commandment. Shema Israel. Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai Had. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. The scripture this morning is from the 16th chapter of John. It is toward the uh, end of the last night Jesus has with his disciples. As he prepares to leave them, he tells them of the work of the Holy Spirit. And we pick this up in um, verse 12. I have uh, more to save you, but you cannot bear it now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will lead you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is to come. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated. Please. Thank you. And, uh, uh, Sergey, we welcome you back, and we did want to welcome you, and thank you for being with us this morning. You're back. <laughs> and we do pray a blessing on your ministry and your seminary. I wonder if it's possible that Jesus did not say everything that he had to say while he was on the earth with his disciples. I wonder if it's possible that there is still more yet that Jesus has to say to those who follow him. I wonder if it's possible that Jesus still speaks today. And I believe the answer to all those three things or those questions is yes. And I get that from Jesus here as he prepares to leave his disciples. He said, I've got more that I could say to you, but you can't bear it now. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will lead you into all truth and will tell you what is to come. And that tells me that Jesus didn't say everything that he had to say. And there was still more to come. But if that's correct, it makes me wonder, well, why didn't Jesus just tell us everything, everything possible we could ever know or need while he was with his disciples? Well, I don't know if I know the answer completely, but Jesus seems to imitate, indicate that it's because they're not ready for it. And maybe they're not ready for it because their memory is like mine and it just wouldn't be good to tell me everything at once because I wouldn't remember it. Or maybe they're just not trained yet to apply it. You know, maybe spending time with Jesus could have been like drinking from a fire hose. And who knows, maybe it was more than they could handle. I tend to think it was something else. It could possibly be that the rabbi-disciple relationship is not quite like uh, student and teacher in our world or student and lecturer. Oftentimes, teachers in our world have a curriculum and a syllabus, and uh, each day's activity is guided by the curriculum and the syllabus for that day, and, and, and that is an appropriate way to go. But for the great rabbis, they never moved on to lesson two until you had grasped lesson one. And lesson three was not going to be taught until you had lived, begin to love, live into uh, one and two. And it's also possible that if something occurred in your life, what we might call a teachable moment, they'd scrap that curriculum anyway and go to where you were in your life. And so it's possible that Jesus is just saying, I've got more to teach you, but, but you haven't gone through enough yet to get there. Uh, but there's one other possibility. It could be that Jesus knew the more that he had to say to them, some of it was going to be hard. Because he was going to tell them as he had tried to tell them about his own death. 
His crucifixion. His betrayal, which would come in just a few hours. And they couldn't hear it. Or maybe he was going to go on to tell them about their own struggles and following him, that many of them would be arrested, killed, tortured. Maybe that was what was to come. But for whatever reason, Jesus felt it wisest not to tell them everything that he could tell them at that moment. And I think about that for whatever reason, that sounds like a pretty good strategy to me. I mean, just think about something that you're involved in, a relationship, maybe a marriage or parenting or even a job. I mean, if you knew at the start everything you were going to have to go through, would you have eagerly jumped into the journey? You probably were better off not knowing all the downs that would go with the ups. Perhaps it was better for you to experience them as they come rather than fear and dread them ahead of time. So for whatever reason, Jesus says, I'm not telling you everything because you're not ready for it. But I think there's another reason that makes sense to me, and that is... Jesus has now told them everything because everything that they can and will experience, both as disciples and then disciples of disciples and disciples like us 20 centuries later, they haven't gone through yet. These things have not happened. Let me put it another way. When Jesus spent three years with his disciples, he had no idea what it was like to drive on Loop 410 at 5 o'clock. He just didn't. He had no idea how quickly technology would change. Jesus never got the privilege of voting in a political election or listening to the arguments on either side. There were all sorts of things that would yet happen that he had not yet experienced. And they, more importantly, they had not yet experienced. So there was no sense yet telling them about things that were to come when there was no field of reference for it. And so Jesus would, when the right time came, Reveal to them what they needed to know. An interesting phrase here is Jesus said the spirit of truth is going to tell you what is to come. Now there are a number of ways to slice that. Probably two of the most prominent are John who wrote the gospel of John likely wrote the revelation. And so maybe John's just saying Jesus one day is going to tell you how it all plays out in the end. Could be. Could be Jesus is saying the spirit's going to give you the ability to know or discern the future. And I have met some people who who seem to know what's going to happen sometimes before it happens, and so they're already ready for it. They're already prepared in some way. That's possible. But I think a more likely interpretation that many people give to it is this. Jesus is simply saying, when new situations come up, I will give you insight. When things happen that you can't even imagine right now, and those days come, and, and these situations you find yourself in, I will instruct you how to handle it. I will give you insight. I will give you wisdom uh, in the future. And those are the things that are to come. So I don't guess I know for sure which it is, but I get the feeling that Jesus didn't say everything he had to say because they weren't ready to hear it. And they couldn't even anticipate the things that were coming. And Jesus tried to say, don't worry when you get there, I'll lead you through it. But I think there's one other reason why I think Jesus didn't just tell them everything and they wrote it all down and then closed the book on it. And to to understand this reason, I, I need to ask you this question. It's rhetorical. don't need you to answer it, but it's the same question Pilate asked. What is truth? When Jesus talks in this passage, he talks about that. When he comes, the spirit of truth will lead you into all truth. Well, what is interesting is John's gospel talks more about truth than anyone than any other book. 
Remember, Jesus said in John 14, I am the way and I am the truth. He said also that if you know the truth, it will set you free. And then, of course, at the end of the gospel, he's in this debate with Pilate. And so Pilate finally says to him the $64,000 question, well, what is truth? Well, it's a great question. I want to try to uh, give you a a brief um, side journey around truth, and I think it will help us understand what Jesus is doing even more. There seem to be at least three possibilities of what this word truth means um, as Jesus uses it in the Gospel of John. The first is when Jesus says all truth, Jesus could just mean all objective knowledge. I'll teach you everything you need to know on any subject. And basically, if you want to know something, you come to me. It won't matter what it is. I know the answer. Well, that's certainly reasonable as, as, as God and uh, incarnate as, as the Son of God. As a master teacher, Jesus was smarter than all of us put together. Um, so that is possible. And, and I do think back to um, my days when I was getting ready to enter college. Uh, I placed out of physics. That had to be a miracle. There's no way I knew that stuff on my own. So, so maybe that's part of it. It's just I want to tell you stuff you don't know. All areas of knowledge. That would be like... Objective knowledge or intellectual truth. That's possible. Another possibility, say some people, is what Jesus is really talking about is moral truth. In other words, no matter what situation you find yourself in as disciples, I will help you know right from wrong. I will help you know my will. I will help you know what to do. So truth isn't just that I know something about science or history or or math or how atoms uh, work. But rather, in any given situation... Jesus can coach me and lead me to do the right thing. I think that's real possible. That would be what we might call moral truth. But there's another possibility, which some say when Jesus says the spirit of truth will guide you into all truth, that what Jesus is saying is the spirit is going to take you into the source of truth, which is if you know anything, this is what you need to know. And of course, we know that the what isn't a what, the what is a who. And so just as he says in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. Maybe what Jesus is saying here is the Spirit's going to come and lead you into a deeper relationship with me. And it's out of that relationship that you'll come to know things that you can't even anticipate now. If I'm right about that, then the most important thing that Jesus wants with any of us is a relationship. And had... Jesus, or John, on behalf of Jesus, has written down everything Jesus had to say about anything that would ever happen, put it in a book, and close the book, you and I would go to the book, and we would not go to Jesus. There would be no need for an ongoing, living relationship if we could find the answers outside of a relationship with a person. And so I think one of the reasons Jesus didn't tell us everything is Jesus wants to continue speaking. Wants us to continue listening and wants us to continue to go in relationship. And when things are difficult, Jesus doesn't abandon us. Jesus is actually more present. I had an interesting experience with a friend the other day. We went to lunch and I asked him about um, a Greek word, if he knew how to spell it, because I was texting a a friend and it was a theological term. So we tried before we tried to spell it because I was texting, we decided we asked Siri about it. So my friend asked Siri and said, Siri, how do you spell anamnesis? Nothing. Have we lost our connection? It got tough. Siri wasn't there. Siri wasn't anywhere. 
But the opposite is true of our relationship with the source of all truth. For whatever we need to know, he's there willing to walk with us into new truths, new experiences. And he is right there like Donna's two magnets. He's right there close enough to help us move. Now, you might say, well, the, the next question is, well, if Jesus is going to be very near us and we'll have that relationship, how does he, how does he continue to speak? And the answer Jesus gave us is through the Holy Spirit. I, the, whole, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, when he comes, will guide you into all truth. Okay. Then the next question is, how do I know it's the Holy Spirit? How do I recognize that it's the voice of Jesus and just not what I had for dinner last night? Or something I saw on the internet? Or read? How do I know this is really the voice of God? Well, of course, that is the key question. Well, let me share with you two things. One is this. One is this. One of the reasons we read so intently and study the Gospels of Jesus, well, the Scriptures and completely anyway, but the Gospels of Jesus, is so we can know what Jesus said. And by knowing what Jesus said, for the most part, we will know what to do and we will know how to have a relationship with him. But the best part is when we get off those pages into things that he may not have covered, because we have learned his voice in the Gospels, we will learn to recognize his voice when he speaks to us in new situations. We will learn to recognize by studying the word of God, the word of God when we hear it, off that when it outside of that page. Now, what the Word of God says, and we've been over this before, is never going to contradict what's on that page. But not everything in those pages covers everything we will go through in life. So we study the Gospels so we recognize that voice. And then there's one other thing, though, I want you to know about that. Jesus said the Spirit of truth will guide you into truth. Apparently in Hebrew, the word picture, I mean, excuse me, in Greek, the word picture is taking someone who's blind by the hand And walking them closely through something. If I could not see well, you would not stand 30 yards behind me and say, turn right. No, no, not that far now. There would be a gentle, we're going to go this way. And with me, we're going to turn right. And then in a couple steps here, I'm going to go around something. We're going to go left. And there's a gentle presence that guides. And I believe most of the time, that's what the voice of Jesus will sound like. Gently guiding, occasionally that in correction, oftentimes affirmation, but it's not forced. It's, you don't uh, take a person that can't see well and shove them from behind and move them. You take them and you gently walk with them. And I think that's what Jesus does in the scriptures and through the Holy Spirit. One of the things that was helpful to me was something I read this week. Uh, a group of us are reading a book called The Good and Beautiful Community. And in the chapter, it tells the story of George Fox. His name may not mean anything to you. He founded the Quakers. But he has a, he has a, a young person he's mentoring whose name is William Penn. That, that name may mean something to you. Um, and so he's with William Penn back uh, across the seas before Penn ever came to the States. And um, William Penn comes to his mentor and says, should I no longer wear the sword? Because he wore a sword at that time uh, in that country. A sword was a symbol, not of violence, but first of all, of um, social status. So if I wear this sword and you don't, I'm above you. And so as a Quaker, he had come to understand that social distinctions no longer matter in Christ. 
So he's thinking, I probably shouldn't wear this sword. And then he also, of course, as pacifist, Quakers wouldn't have been real big on swords anyway. So he goes to George Fox and just basically expects George Fox to say, of course, get rid of that thing now. But instead, this is what George Fox says to William Penn. He says, should I take off the sword and quit wearing it? And Fox's response to Penn was this, wear it as long as you are able, William Wear it as long as you're able. Do you see what Fox was doing? He was opening in a permission way to say, William, between you and Jesus, you'll figure out the time. And you'll know when it is. And he was inviting him gently toward the right action, but giving him freedom. And I think the voice of God, while it guides, always gives us permission in a way that is not typically condemning, but most uh, most often guiding in a gentle way. And that's how Jesus continues, I think, to speak to us today. And we can begin to recognize that voice because we know the scriptures. So we know what the voice sounds like. And because we are listening it and the Holy Spirit is helping us tune in to that voice. And I believe that voice still speaks today. This past week, uh, one of our pastors at the Riverside campus asked a uh, four of her people who pray regularly to pray for me, uh, and she hadn't told me ahead of time she was going to do this, and see if God has anything God wants to say to David. So within like 48 hours, she sent me their responses from four people. They live 25 miles away. I do not see them on a regular basis. There's no way they can possibly know the things that I'm dealing with uh, at this time. And three of the four said things that were directly 100% related to what they could not have possibly known about what was going on in my life. And the other fourth one wasn't too far away. And that reminded me that the Holy Spirit was speaking to them because they couldn't have received this truth any other way because they hadn't spoken with me. And then, yesterday which was not a great day. Well, it started out with Friday not being a great day. And then yesterday, the washing machine broke. That was okay. But then the cable TV broke. Okay, now we're getting serious. You know, yesterday, the Duke game was at 1 o'clock. Downton Abbey tonight, you know. We're, we're sort of in panic mode. Uh, and on top of everything else, uh, it's not a great day. And, and they brought a very, um, uh, just out of the blue, said, God told me, to say this to David, I think. See what you think, uh, David. So anyway, it's a very affirming, positive message. Now, the message did not say, David, you never make mistakes. Because truth be told, I had told the service representative on the phone, three different service representatives, three different phone calls, that yes, all the wires were put together, and I had checked everything. And they said, well, something must be wrong with our box. Well, I guess so, because it's not coming on. And so my wife is in the room and she says to me, hey, is this cable just supposed to be dangling loose by itself? Well, God's message was never from that person. You're perfect and you never mess up. God's message was you're okay, in spite of everything. The Holy Spirit, in a gentle way, encouraged me and yet reminded me of who I am. Holy Spirit, still speaking the voice of Jesus. 1999, I took my first trip to Israel, and there was a woman uh, on our trip, a few years older than I was, but it was her first trip too. We're walking along this trail, and she said, you know, this is amazing to walk where Jesus 
walked. And I said, yes. And she said, oh, only, only if I could have been here 2,000 years ago and we could have walked together. I didn't know what to say then, but I know what to say now, which is you are walking together. He is with you because the spirit of truth will guide you into all truth.